Global warriors, welcome. This is your gathering place, the sacred space where ordinary people share their extraordinary life experiences, the impact they are making on others, their communities and the world. It's time to take a stand, listen, get inspired and learn how to join the fight for change. Transformation starts now. Now for your host, Keisha Reynolds. Global Warriors, welcome. Today I'm really excited to bring a guest to you that I actually met on Clubhouse, the new app sensation currently only on iPhones for now. I'd love to introduce David Naylor, who is a husband, a father, and has also opened several recovery centers that provide counseling, wellness services for addiction and mental health. Currently, he is the co-founder of Omega Recovery Center, and it will be one of only two facilities in the whole of the United States to treat screen addiction. Welcome to the show, David Naylor. Did I get all of that correct? Yes, you did. It's nice to meet you, Keisha, and nice to meet everyone out there. And just so everyone, I'm not driving. I'm a passenger. We're on a long road trip from Florida to Texas. We have our dogs, Brewster and Fiji, back there, and my wife, Maria, driving. So hello. Nice to. Uh, it's nice to be on your show. Thank you. Yeah. No. Thank you, really, for fitting us in in the middle of your road trip. How long were you in Florida? We were in Florida for three weeks. Woo! That's awesome. Yeah, we got to miss the snow. It actually snowed in Austin, Texas while we were gone. So we really, we hit the jackpot. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been good. It's been a good break. And yeah, happy to be on your show. So thank that's, you. That's awesome. Well, welcome. I was particularly in- intrigued when I heard you speaking in one of the rooms on Clubhouse about screen addiction. And I know with technology being so prevalent today, that this is a really important and global topic. Can you talk a little bit about what is screen addiction and why is it important to address it? Well, you know, I, I think everyone knows about the movie Social Dilemma that's come out. Um, and there's uh, my, my partner, Dr. K, has a best-selling book called Glow Kids, Dr. Nick Carderis. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we really saw this coming 10, 20, 30 years ago you know, technology of the internet is somewhat new. Um, you know, I think really in 1995 is when AOL and the, the dial up. And so we're really, it's, it's very young for the entire world. And so here we are 25 years later, and we're starting to see the impacts of this new technology. Um, and we're starting to see that just like anything, it has become uh, an addiction, um, for, for people. And, and it, and it does not discriminate. It happens to successful entrepreneurs, to business owners, to kids, to parents. Uh, it can happen to anyone. Um, and so it's a real thing. The world health organization just classified it as a, uh, mental health disorder. Um, and so that should tell you something. Insurance will now cover uh, treatment for digital addiction. The United Nations, uh, Omega Recovery, uh, uh, an organization I founded, we're actually on the United Nations Council for Digital Addiction and bringing out new protocols and methodologies. And um, it is a real thing, and it's happening. I see it every day in the in the families that we we treat. 
the emails that we get, the phone calls that we get on a daily basis. To give you some perspective, there are 400 digital addiction centers in Asia, 400 digital addiction treatment centers in Asia. There are two in the United States, Restart in, in, in Seattle and then Omega Recovery in Austin, Texas, as well as Maui Recovery, which is our center. And we just started treating digital addiction there as well. So if that gives you any perspective um, and uh, yeah, happy to talk through this or answer any questions yeah. or, or share any perspective I have. Well, definitely. I'm trying to, I'm trying to ascertain the difference between a child um, for, for example, that uh, has grown up with technology and is often on technology. How do you differentiate between that child who really enjoys technology as a part of their world um, and one who is addicted? Well, you know, how anything in recovery, right? So in the recovery space, there are 125 different forms of recovery, ranging from alcohol to drugs, to sex, to food, to work. To I mean, there's 125. So it all starts with first, it's fun. Anything first, it's fun, right? All right. The first time we're doing anything, it's fun. Then it's like, it's fun with some problems. Like, okay, maybe someone's drinking a little too much and there's some problems. At first, we're having a great time. We're having a great time. Um, or, you know, someone starts off with, you know, porn and it's, whoa, porn, wow. And then it's like, becomes a, pro, a fun with some problems. But then the, the saying goes, then it's, then it becomes all problems, right? It's like, man, I can't stop this. It's taken over my life. And so, you know, if you really look at addiction, you know, we can really become addicted to anything. It's, uh, it, it's, you know, so we teach people in Omega and Maui, you know, to, to kind of find the balance of discipline and focus and self-love. Uh, you have to heal some trauma if there's still trauma that you're numbing that with, but anything is fun in the beginning. No one gets addicted on the first hit on anything it's over time. And then, and so, so with digital, um, it, it was fun, right? We're all in chat rooms at AOL or then social media and Facebook. And then it just becomes an obsession and it, it's something that we can't stop. Um, and then at that point we need to get some, some, some help. I mean, and that's the first step is, Hey, I, I have a problem. I need some help. That's the first step to anything. And just like with anything, we're seeing digital addiction, is the new wave uh, of addiction and we're seeing it treated all over the world. Yeah. So how would you go about, or how does the, how does Omega recovery go about treating uh, digital or screen addiction? I've seen it termed both ways. Which one is the, um, well, that, you know, it's digital addiction, screen addiction, um, you know, similar to, um, you know, substance abuse, drug addictions, substance addiction. I mean, so it's digital addiction, screen addiction. And, you know, game, you can't hear it sometimes called gaming addiction, but they're all in that same camp, right? Gaming, screen, tech, digital tech addiction. So it's really the same thing. Um, the first thing we do and how we treat that is um, we just make sure that the person getting treatment is really admitting there's a problem, right? Hey, there's a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm not studying. I'm dropping out of school. I'm I'm not alive anymore. I'm not fully alive in my life. I'm, I'm suffering. My relationships are suffering. So if someone's there and is at a step one experience, then we can bring them in. And then that's when we carve out a 
a program for them and 30, 60, 90 day program, custom program, depending upon what their needs are, where they want to go, what their goals are. Um, and then we take them off of the device or off of whatever that is. And we start to treat the self, right? The whole self, 30, 36, 360 degrees, the soul, the mind, the body. Uh, we start to integrate, you know, best practices and good habits. Um, we treat trauma. So if it's something that they're, maybe they hate themselves and that's why they're doing it. Or maybe they don't respect themselves or maybe they uh, have a trauma wound that they haven't looked at. Maybe something happened in the past uh, that they haven't dealt with. They haven't talked about, they haven't felt in a long time. So they push those feelings down. So usually getting off that advice, that device or that, that substance, whatever it is, is going to help someone to really look at that in a safe container in our therapy and in our groups. And then that healing can happen. That healing can absolutely happen. And then by the time they leave treatment and they have a reintegration plan and a treatment plan, they have more self-love, they have more self-care, they have better habits, and they have a plan going forward on how to implement that plan. And then if they do have a setback, they know what to do. They can call a coach, they can call their sponsor, they can maybe come back for a retreat with us. I mean, something. So it's, it's really just a matter of, and I believe this, always be sharpening your saw right? Our souls are going to get dull, all of us. And because we're going to get in relationships or maybe we start, you know, enjoying certain things in life, but we need to be constantly learning and sharpening our soul. That's just my personal belief. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. And then as far as a child who wouldn't have, and I, and I keep coming back to children because, um, you know, I'm, I'm watching my son who is six you know, constantly be in front of the screen for virtual schooling. And then he loves gaming and watching YouTube. And so how would parents or what are some tips for parents to deal with their children who, especially during this quarantine period, may be a little more susceptible to the addiction of digital technology? It's a great question. And it's such a good question. And it's, it's on a lot of parents' minds. I kid you not, over a hundred calls a week on this the same thing. They have a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a 14 year old, an 18 year old. I mean, first and foremost, I think people just need to be educated that digital addiction can become an addiction. Like this is not a game. That phone, that device, you know, we, as parents, we, and I'm a parent too. I have a four year old and uh, one on the way. And so. Congratulations. Thank you. And so we have to understand and know it needs to be educated because, you know, you got to think what we can do on this device. You can find everything on this device. You can play games. You can go on a hero's journey, like through a gaming thing experience. You can gamble on this device. You can have find sex on this device. You can, you can do everything except put a substance in your body, right? But you're creating chemicals through this device. I mean, you can do so much. The likes from Facebook and knowing who liked and, and, and it's just, it can feed all that. So first and foremost, I think we just have to know this device can be very dangerous. It can also be very rewarding because we can, we can do a lot. So it comes down to, in my opinion, from my experience, what I tell parents is this device, even for me as an adult, I use this device three times a day. It's just as big. Most parents, I mean, like when you just give it to a kid just to like, it's so dangerous. There has to be structure in every person's life, even adults. Okay. So I wake up, 
and I don't touch this device. I don't touch it. It's too dangerous. It's too potent. It's too important. I mean, like I will meditate. I will go on a run. I will exercise. I will cook my food because food is therapy and preparing my food and connecting with my family. And then when I pick up this device, I'm fully in this device because I don't want to be half, half. I don't want to be half with my family and half with this device. That's where we start to like really not like ourselves because then they're, they're not, we're not going to be present. So you want to be present with what you do. And so if you're fully in it, then I'm going to work. I'm going to check my stocks. I'm going to check my emails. I'm going to work and I'm going to give myself a time limit. Like I'm going to give myself 30 minutes on the phone In 30 minutes. I can do everything. I can check Twitter. I can check my emails. I can respond to emails. I can check my text messages. I can check my stocks. And then I, I mean, I, 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 I have a reverence for this device. Yeah. Turn you it have off. a system. Yeah. I have a system. Right. And then I have my, like I have my calendar, my computer, and then like I go to work, but then after lunch, I'll check this device again. Right. I'll check it for 30 minutes. And then I do the same thing after dinner. So then I have dinner and, Again, this I've had to learn this system because it, it has destroyed me before. I think I, I can't pretend and say I have all the answers. I only I learning our experiences are greatest teachers. So I've had to learn through experience because this this phone has eaten my lunch before. So then after dinner, I give myself another thirty minutes uh, and to to tie everything up, and then I'm with my family, and then I'm with you know my 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 studies or my readings or whatever like that. It just it has to be respected because if it's not this thing will take us over. And that's why we're seeing, uh, that's why it's a mental health disorder now, because it's a serious thing. And I don't think people think it's that serious, but it is. It yeah, is. no. Uh, wow. Such good uh, words. I love, I love what you said about just being more present because um, when you're present, you really, you know, a lot of people think that we can focus and multitask. And I used to be one of those believers, but really we're shifting our attention between two things very quickly, two or three things very quickly. And so yeah. we really can't focus just concurrently. So, um, you know, there's a problem when it's like someone's in their phone and they're like in a conversation as well, or like you'll see people at dinner, yeah, my husband, they're, they're on their phone. like that's when, you know, it's like, Hey, this thing is, is not, this thing's getting the work. Cause this phone is not a bad thing. It's amazing yeah. device. Yeah be fully in it when you're in it. And yeah. then when you're off, have boundaries and be fully engaged in life. Cause there's nothing more energy sucking than being at a table or in a conversation and still having this thing that you're on half, half you're disrespecting yourself. You're disrespecting your person you're talking with. You're, you're dishonoring life and it's draining and it's yeah. and it really drain. And it hurts the relationships too. Yeah, because I, when I said my husband, I was being somewhat facetious, but but yet that is something that happens, you know, uh, I'm talking and talking about something important and then you see the scrolling and then I'm asking, you know, are you paying attention? Um, but then yet I've been guilty of it myself because, Listen, you know, this is every <laughs> human being. I promise you this. There's not one human being on this planet that has not experienced this. So I'm just talking about best practices. Like I said, this has hurt my relationships. I've had to go through pain. I've had to learn these practices through pain, through, through suffering of myself. And like, so now I just know, and, I, and now I have a system on how to be optimized and be present because that's important. The relationships in my life are important. So, 
I love it. So how did you wind up getting into addiction work in the first place? It's another great question. So, uh, my first experience was when I was a teenager. So I grew up in a family where everything had to be perfect and it was a big family and, you know, high expectations. Um, and everyone were, you know, college graduates, uh, and I was the firstborn in my family. And so I had this, and so I never felt underneath. I, I always felt like I was falling short. And, um, in, in high school, I began to act out. Um, and by 17, I was in rehab. And so I started using drugs and alcohol at a, at, by 15 years old. And for two years, uh, numerous arrests and, and house calls and runaways. I mean, I was just, I was just didn't know who I was. And I, I, deep down, I just thought I was a failure and that I wasn't good enough and that I let my family down. I went to rehab two, two months, came back out and went to college, went to my uh, university of Florida, got a degree and I started studying people. I I got a degree in sociology and I wanted to just study human beings. And I really wanted to study myself. I wanted to know who I was, who I wasn't. And then I went on a journey for 10 years in my twenties of self-discovery. And so I did every retreat and, you know, workshop and intensives that I could find out there on healing trauma, you know, Joseph Campbell, mythology, mystic work, you know, hero's journey work, Carl Jung. I just started studying the best. And that's when I stumbled upon this path of enlightenment, growth, healing, expansion, and really coming to truth that the answers have always been in here, right? Like there's nothing outside myself. So for so long, I was reaching outside myself for something inside and the answers are here. And in my personal experience, we are the medicine, we are the message, and we are the miracle. And so just like you, everyone else listening here, you are Neo, you are the return of the Jedi. You got to go on your journey because at the end of the day, you're going to find the truth and the truth is you. You're the truth. That's well said. It's beautifully stated. And when you went inside after the 10 years of exploration, so to speak, and you, you found that you were really inside along with the universe. Is that when you decided that you would start recovery centers? How did that work? Because I noticed you had started a few prior to Omega. Yeah, it is. And so when I, when I discover the truth, which is within, and which it's us, it's us, we're good. Like one of the hardest breakthroughs I had to experience was that I was good because deep down I thought I was bad. And so, yeah, when I discovered that truth inside, that's when I said, I want to help people. I want to help other people realize that they're not the problem. They're not bad. There's nothing wrong. Like, in fact, they're good and they're everything and they're all things. And it's, you are the answer. You are the truth. You are the medicine. And like, we heal each other like cells, right? And you are, and you can get healthy because you are the cell that's going to change another cell. And so I wanted to bring that to the world. And I just started my, uh, my first center uh, six years ago and started that journey. That's awesome. That's amazing. And at what point did your work with starting centers, how did that parlay into taking notice from the United Nations? Wow. So, you know, when I started, uh, I started in Austin, Texas, and it grew really fast into four different treatment centers, 11 sober living homes, 
Uh, we have a treatment center in Maui called Maui Recovery in Hawaii. And three years ago, my partner, Dr. Nick Carderis, he was running a center called The Dunes in New York. So he called me up and said, hey, you have a pretty amazing culture and community. And are you interested in a partner and an investor? And I said, well, sure, I'm open to anything. So he um, he bought into the company three years ago. And he he and his family came down from the Hamptons where he was a clinical director of a high-end treatment center there. And he wanted to work with more millennials, and uh, which was kind of what we were building in, in terms of our culture partners. And the best-selling book called Glow Kids, and he is he is the guy who is really our clinical director that's created the program for this. So a lot of kudos to Dr. K in that program. So that's how uh, we got invited to sit on the United Nations Council. Wow, that's amazing! It's. Uh... Quite an honor. So congratulations about that. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. As you begin your journey to um, address addictions and in particular screen addiction or digital addiction, what do you think the world would look like once addiction in its many forms is eradicated, if ever it could be eradicated? What would the world look like? That's a great question. I don't know if it will ever be eradicated, I hope it will. I really hope it would be eradicated. I think that my mission is to have the awareness that we're all speaking about how to heal our trauma and how to heal our pain because life is very fragile. And I think, you know, we all go to the same place and we all have to face death at some point, whether we look at it on our deathbed, which could be terrifying, or we start to look at it now and realize we're all gently walking each other home and we're all family and we're all one. And, you know, I, I know we're divided in the news. We're divided in the media. We're divided in Hollywood. We're divided with the government divides us. And there's a lot of things that are dividing us that and it's, it's like the big, this, this distraction of the news and this media. Um, and it, and I just think that we have to realize we're not divided. We're not. You know, we are walking each other home and we're healing each other. And I think what the world could look like, I honestly think that there'd have to be a new conversation where we're all not plugged into the media and the news anymore. We stop giving power to the giants and to the elites. We can't give power anymore to them. And we have to take the power back to love each other and support each other. And we're all doing this, this. So the convert, my mission is to have this conversation be in the planet where we're all like turning off the, the media and we're just loving our families. We're loving our communities. We're loving our neighbors and we're building these pockets of community and we're supporting each other. And there's a movement. There'd be a movement happening to where like, you know, instead of a movement of negativity, it's a movement of like, just love. Mm, that's beautiful. You know, as you were describing how we all need to kind of get centered and heal ourselves and help heal one another, it occurred to me that in a sense, are we all addicted to something, would you say? We absolutely can be at times. And I think all of us go through some form of addiction. If it's, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, we could be going through a food addiction at the time and we have to address it. I mean, I could list so many of them, but we could be going through a digital addiction at, at, a, at a certain time. 
and then we have to address that. Um, and that's where I go back to like, we always have to look at, are we showing up for ourselves? Are we eating consistently and on schedule? Are we having small portions? Are we getting sleep at night? Are we meditating? Like we're never done. We never arrive. Are we always looking at ourselves? And that has to be the central point, the point, right? There's an issue in my life right now where, you know, I'm, I'm not eating the best way I know how to eat. Right. And this is just being vulnerable. I'm, I'm doing up in a lot of good ways in my life, but my portions have gotten a little bit out of control where I'm like, ah, and I know that. And then, and then it takes a while to digest. And then it's, I'm not as optimized and I'm not as light and I've put on a few pounds. Okay. So there might be a little bit of an addiction that I've formed, but Hey, now I'm addressing it. I'm looking at it. Cause I'm always looking at how I can optimize, always looking at how I can be better and, and just, and show up and be more present. So I think everyone has to have that commitment to themselves because if we don't, then we're not working on ourselves. We're already perfect and whole and complete. Yes. We're already good and loved and enough, but are we looking at, are we performing and showing up better for ourselves and for others in our lives? And I think that commitment has to be first. I love that. Yeah. Because I, like you said earlier, I think the first step is always being aware that there could be a potential issue or challenge. And then once you're aware, and I think a lot of us during this time of COVID, you know, I see a lot of neighbors, I see a lot of friends that I haven't seen in months. And I think we all have picked up weight. Um, You know, there are certain tenants that have arrived because of just constantly, you know, being to yourself and being home more and not being as active. So you really have to um, be an advocate for yourself to kind of push yourself to go outdoors and take those walks like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's also like you, then you might get food under control and portion sizes, but then it's like, oh, I'm sleeping in in the mornings. Oh, wow. I'm noticing. Okay. Now I got to work on that. So it's, it's coming from a place of we're already enough. We're already loved. We're already, we're already good. And where can I improve showing up more optimized and more present for my life and my loved ones? So we're not doing it to fix ourselves because we're something's wrong with us or like, oh, I, there's nothing wrong with us. We are divine miracles of the creator. We are sparks of create, creation. We are the truth, the medicine, the message, the miracle. And how can I show up and be more present with my family, for myself? How can I be more optimized to live longer? And so I just have a, a focus on how I can continue to show up and Maybe there's a time in my life where things are like really, okay, wow, things are really working well right now. And I, I honor that. And where can I, you know what? I can add in maybe one extra workout this week. I can add in uh, some meditation this week. Again, it's a commitment to always be growing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Constantly evolving. That's, I, I think that's the reason why we're here in earth That's- school, so to speak, right? To yeah. evolve yes. our souls. Yes. <laughs> earth school. Right? I yes. love that. Oh my God. I'm going to take that. I'm borrowing that. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> that might be our next dinner. Welcome to earth school, everyone. <laughs> yes. And so I guess in closing, um, if there's one person out there who's listening, who wants to aspire to change the world in some sort of way, what type of advice would you give them? And they want to change the world in a way mm-hmm. with their special skill set. Wow. I mean, I would say start a community or a tribe. And so that might look like an online tribe. 
that might look like a house that you rent and then you build a tribe there and you're helping people in that tribe. But if you start with the tribe first and you're truly impacting, see, most people, they try to just go right for the world and, or right for a city, like start with your tribe. Then you can expand to maybe a bigger tribe and then you can expand to your like neighborhood, like build that neighborhood and, 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 and then maybe the city and then, you know, the state and then the country, that region. Right. Um, and so I think it's just having that real commitment to, to influencing and empowering and changing that little cell cluster cell around you and then let it go from there. Cause then it'll just, you know, when you heal one cell, think of us as cells, then it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. So. I love that. Well, thank you. Um, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about the work that you're doing? They can get in touch with me through my email at wdnailer at gmail.com. They can look us, look me up at omegarecovery.org in Austin or mauirecovery.com in Texas, in uh, Maui. Excellent. Well, I thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom that you've shared today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure all the listeners do as well. An honor. It was an honor. <laughs> thank you, Keisha. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for changing the world as well. Oh, thank you. I can tell you have that commitment. I do. (laughs) Thank you. That's why we connected. As soon as I heard your voice, I resonated with you. So maybe I'll see you back on Clubhouse. Thank you for tuning into the Global Warriors podcast. We hope our time together has been a catalyst for improving the world's frontier. Don't forget to subscribe to receive our podcast on a regular basis. Join our mailing list by visiting www.globalwarriors.org. Until next time, put up a fight to make a difference and declare war on what divides humanity.